Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 126. I sat down with Jennifer Fiedler and Trey Smith of the country band Smithfield. They're a rising stars duo and Rolling Stone even uh, called them ones to watch in their top 10 ones to watch. So it's very exciting for them. Uh, They came over to the house and we chatted about their rise to where they are now and and where they're headed toward. Um, Lovely, lovely, talented human beings. Uh, It was really my pleasure to talk with them. And it was cool because they were willing to give a behind the scenes look at some of their struggles and ambitions and things like that. And I, I do appreciate that when when artists and creatives and, well, really anyone, even those on the business side, give a little insight into what it's like. Because in this world, when we're constantly seeing images and videos and things of people, everything being bright, rosy, and perfect, we forget all the struggles and what it takes to get to, you know, any level of success. So I appreciate that they were very open and and told stories about their their experiences thus far. Um, usual stuff, uh, Hey Human Podcast social media, of course, is on Instagram and Facebook under Hey Human Podcast. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook under my own moniker, Susan Ruthism. That's just a more personal stuff, you know, what I'm doing day to day thoughts, philosophies, yada, yada, as they say. Uh, But the Hey Human podcast ones are really specific to Hey Human, as they should be. I just did a new photo shoot with Anthony Scarlatti, and I've been posting some of the pictures from that shoot up there on those social medias. So if you are interested and you want to check that out, please do so. Hey Human is, of course, a one-woman show, and uh, I keep it ad-free, and... Hopefully we'll continue to keep it ad-free. That's where you come in. Listener support is always welcome and appreciated. If you shop on Amazon, you can go to the heyhumanpodcast.com website. You'll see the Amazon portal there on the homepage. Click on that. Do your shopping on Amazon as you normally would. And a little bit goes back toward Hey Human. So that would be awesome. Also, there is a support Hey Human button on the website. And... uh, I know that some of you have been using that button, and I really appreciate that too. So thank you. Thank you for your support. And as always, just listening is a huge support. Tweet and Instagram and Facebook and tell people that you're listening to the show and and what you think about it and all that good stuff. You can always rate and review it on iTunes as well. If you want to reach out to me, Susan at HeyHumanPodcast.com. I love getting your emails and uh, keep them coming. If you or anyone you know you think has a great, interesting story for the podcast, please uh, reach out to me and I will follow up, I promise. All right. Well, let's get to it. Uh, This is exciting because I, I truly adore Jennifer and Trey and they're just wonderful, wonderful human beings and... I'm excited to share their music with you uh, as you listen to the episode. And we mentioned it a few times during the show, but you can check them out at smithfieldmusic.com. All right, 
let's get into it. Here we go. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Trey. Hey, Hello. Suze. <laughs> Welcome to Hey Human. Thank you for Good to be here. It's been a long time coming, I feel like. I think we've been talking about this for at least a year. Yes. The podcast's only a couple years old, so I would, <laughs> I would say at least a year. At least, I'd say, yeah. It's always exciting when I have you guys in town at the same time, just because you're touring all the time. This you, is true. Two of the hardest working showbiz people I know. Oh, we're hanging in. We're, we're the stupidest. I don't know. Surviving. We'll figure it out. So I had to tell them listening uh, that uh, how it, it came to be that I know you guys, because I think it's such a cool story. Fate. It, yeah, fate. Uh, we were set up to do a write, and uh, you had, how long had you been in town? Not long, right? Seven months. Yeah. Yep. And was so, it Liz? That Liz Marin set us up at NSAI. We sat on the back patio. And yeah, wrote. and uh, I remember coming in and, and meeting you guys and... and I just remember thinking, oh my God, what am I hearing? Aww. I just, I knew, I was like, this is not your average band, people, duo, whatever you want to call it. I just knew. And uh, I remember I invited you guys to a party that night. Remember? Like, you had ju- we had just met. And <laughs> bless you. Whoa, sorry. I do remember that. <laughs> it was at that guy's house. Yeah, it was at the guy's house. It was at Bridget DeMoyer, who is an Americana artist. It was at she and uh, it was her house and her husband's house. She was having a party. And you had to work. Bless that's right. you. I'm sorry. It was just, <laughs> He's like, it was Nashville just, allergies. That's right. It was just me. I, yeah, I, I know. forgot about that. And yeah. Trey came to the party. That's right. We did not know each other. And, oh. and which so many people would have blown that off. But the fact that you came to the party and that was that was like a really big deal. Yeah, I was very impressed by that because it could be weird, you, you know, like sure. new to town, go to some weird party where, uh, you know. So and how I mean, many people not? say, uh, "Oh yeah, I'll be there." And then let's hang show. out, and then you never see him again or don't. We yeah, should. Don't show. Showing up is half the battle. It's totally. We should write sometime. It's scary. Yeah, we should write sometime. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. my favorite. Um, <laughs> But yeah. showing up is half the battle. It really is. And I think mm-hmm. that uh, you guys personify that so well because you do just keep showing up. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's our, that's our motto, yeah. I guess. Now, I know a lot of people that are going to listen to this um, will already know your story, but a lot of people won't. So I want to just sort of take it back. You guys grew yeah. up together? Yes. So we grew up together in Texas. And uh, I've known Jen since I was about 10... 12 years old. Yeah, I was 10. You were 12. There you go. The the record keeper (laughs) over there. Um, It was actually, I was 10 and you were 12. Um, And then our families grew up together. They went back like two or three generations. So our grandparents and parents knew each other and so on and so forth. In Texas. In Texas in the same little small town. Waxahachie, Texas. Never heard of it. No one has. That's Um, why I always say Dallas. Dallas, close to Dallas. It's very close to um, Dallas. Okay. And yeah, we both went to college in the Dallas area. I'd moved off to Houston when I was 13 because my dad was uh, getting into construction. They moved him down there and I wanted to go to college in Dallas. So I went to the University of North Texas. and um, To study what? Uh, journalism at the time. Oh. Yeah. So I started out in journalism and then I, and then I moved to the music program. Which, and then tell her where you ended up. Um where I ended up. Yeah, where you ended up studying the last thing you studied. Oh, yeah. Well, so I went through many, many majors. I actually spent four years in college. Um, yeah. and but just, the last one. And I just didn't get a, get a degree. I ended up at University of Texas in Arlington studying um, archaeology. Really? Specifically Egyptology. 
Oh, it's the best, um, right? Yeah. So I, I went through the archaeology program and then I ended up in a focus in Egyptology. Um, and now is that random or is that something you always wanted to I do? I love history. Okay. I love history. I've always enjoyed studying. So why not go to the beginning, right? <laughs> yeah. Why not? You know, let's just figure out where it all started. But um, yeah, and I, that's when I ran into this one. I was in a rock band at the time and we had just broken up and I was looking for my new creative outlet to explore and... Um, and you hadn't seen Jen since you were little? Uh, I'd seen her like off and on at different family functions and stuff, you know, parties, whatever. Um, and I was driving home from a class one day and I heard a song called Need You Now by Lady Antebellum on the radio, on mainstream radio. Mm-hmm. And it just drew me in the way that their harmonies like mixed. Mm-hmm. It just like it was some, some kind of special blend that I hadn't heard before because I'd heard like Girl Guy duets, but never like that. And um, so I was like, I want that. Whatever that is, I want that. And so then I started thinking, well, now I need to find a girl to sing with. And um, I started going through the list, and I couldn't think of anybody. And I had lunch with my cousin that week just by happenstance, and I was kind of telling her about it. And she said, well, um, you should try Jennifer. Do you remember Jennifer? And I was like, yeah, I remember her. She's still singing, still doing that thing. And she's like, yeah, she still does the solo thing. And um, if that's something you want to do, you should reach out to her and see if she's interested. So that's kind of how... This whole thing got started. I reached out to her and asked her if she wanted to try singing, and she was, I guess, in her good graces, allowed me to uh, come <laughs> oh over. Oh my gosh! Allowed well, me to come he, over and try it out. And, but um, you were so you were doing music all along as well. Yeah, I just on a different path. I had been on a stage since I was nine years old. Mm. I grew up going to in Texas. We do a lot of shows that are like modeled after the Grand Ole Opry, so we call them Opry's. So each town has their own Opry. And so I was doing the Opry circuit growing up, and I loved all kinds of music, but for some reason, country music just spoke to my soul. And it was like the music that me and my dad listened to on road trips, and the storytelling is what drew me into country. So that as soon as I got old enough and not scared enough to be on a stage, I asked my mom, would she let me audition for the show that one of my heroes performed on as a little girl, and that was Leanne Rimes. Mm-hmm. And I loved her, and... So they took me to audition, and Leanne Rhymes' godmother was actually my judge, and she put me on the show. Wow. So I did that from nine years old till I was, like, 20, and did it all the way up through college, on and off. And uh, so I grew up more on a stage and knew that I wanted to go to Nashville, and I was on a reality show my senior year of high school. And, like... I did Christian music, too, because I was always involved in the church, too, and and did worship leading. And so I always loved that. But country was really, like, where I wanted to be. So Nashville was always on my radar. And I got cut on that show. Wait, what's the show? You ever heard of the the real world? Yeah. No, No, it was uh, was (sighs) called Gospel Dream. And it was, like, American Idol, but for, like, gospel gospel music. music. And... Um, Amy Grant's manager saw me in Dallas and invited me to come out here. And so me and my mom did that. And I thought I was going to be a big old star and it didn't happen. So I just thought, you know what? I've been singing my whole life. It hasn't worked out to this point because I didn't want to go to college. I wanted to move to Nashville, but my parents wouldn't let me. They said, oh, you got to go get your degree and, you know, all that. Mm-hmm. So I said, they all right. They cows while they did that. I was going to say, were they good <laughs> That was my, oh, they, they, said they, it while they can't they see milking. my hand motions. <laughs> they but. said it while they were milking the cows. <laughs> but uh, I uh, I ended up going to college in Dallas, and I made a deal with my parents. If I get if I get my degree, you know, make you happy, I get to go do what I want to do. So, and they agreed. And they agreed. What did you study? 
I actually studied uh, communications and music business. So I thought, you know, if I'm not going to be the artist, maybe I can learn the business side. And, you know, I think you go through a lot of growing pains in college and I kind of didn't give up on music, but there was a good time period that I wasn't singing, that I was just studying about the business side of it. And How did that feel to not be singing during that time? It, honestly, it was really hard and I missed it. And I started, there was actually a lot of talented people that went to my school. Um, Belmont, actually, here Belmont's a huge school in Nashville, actually helped start the music business program at my school in Dallas. So there was a lot of really talented people that sang, and I kept going to the services, and I'm like, I can do that. I, I've done that my whole life. The, well, I, the, you mean the church services within the yeah, school? Yeah, yeah. We had worship leading teams. and Yeah. So um, was it a was it a private school that you went to? A uh, private Christian? Yeah. or It wasn't private, but it was it was a Christian Dallas, college. Dallas Baptist? Yeah. That's a private school. That's a private school. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, y'all yeah. know more about my school than me. Yeah. <laughs> That's a private, private school. school. Yeah. Same as Belmont. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I was doing that, and I was like, man, as soon as I graduate, I'm going to Nashville. And I was sitting at my Thanksgiving table. And his cousin, same cousin that told him you should start singing with Jennifer, was working me, too. And she's like, Jen, Trey's rock band just broke up. She's like, I've watched you two sing your whole lives. And she's like, I just think you would be fantastic mm. together. So to humor her, and because he's a family friend, and our grandparents are really tight, I was like, felt like I couldn't turn it down. I felt mm-hmm. like you couldn't say no. Mm-hmm. And uh, Trey reached out to me on Facebook, and... Was it MySpace? No, no, no. <laughs> we're not that old, okay? No, we're not that old. <laughs> so many people I talked to like, oh, we know we connected on MySpace. So wow. Like, wow. That. That's how you know that was a long time ago. Yeah. Right. No, it was a Facebook message, and I had him over to my college uh, dorm room, and that's where we discovered that we had these, like, mm-hmm. magical harmonies. I don't know any other way to describe it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I just knew. Like, when we sang together, I just knew that's what I was supposed to do. So here you are in Texas. Your, your the aha light bulb goes off. Yeah. But Nashville is where you want to be. Was Nashville where you wanted to be, Trey? I didn't know it at the time. Well, I, I, I kind of got the idea from her, and I knew Nashville was a big music town. But to rewind for just two seconds, uh, right before we actually moved to Nashville, I've been looking into a recording program in um, Murfreesboro at MTSU. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was kind of doing the same thing she did in a way because she got into the music business part and was like, well, if I can't sing, I'm just going to be a music business. I was thinking, well, if I can't sing and be an artist, maybe I can at least record artists and Mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. So I started getting into that. So I'd already been thinking about it a little bit, truth be told. And then we started doing our thing and, you know, things started turning around. And for the first time in a long time, I thought, okay, maybe the artist's dream, you know, is it completely dead? Did you, when you had that moment in the dorm room and you heard the way your voices sounded together, did you mm-hmm. think, oh, shit. I got, well, I got the little, you know, there, there's like moments in your uh, path as an artist that you get that little sparkle in your eye or you mm-hmm. get like that little twinge of like, hey, maybe this is possible. And sure. Like that was definitely one of those points. And that was the first time I felt it in a long time because when your band breaks up and you're singing at uh, Lucky's in Arlington in the corner of a pool hall, when no one's listening to you and you're just singing cover songs, uh, you don't exactly have a lot of hope for your career. So that was the first time. I think that's what excited me about it because mm-hmm. I thought, wow, this is something that might really turn into something. So did you actually move together here? Uh, not together, together, but together as in en masse together. T- oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? We shared a U-Haul. Okay. Do you think that that just, that's a lot of pressure to, yeah. to not, to do something on your own is already 
intense and takes a lot of moxie. Yeah. But to, to do it together, even though I imagine it, there's a safety in that, there's got to be some little bird on her shoulder going, oh, God, now I've got this other person I'm responsible for. Yeah, I mean, we're, our destinies are definitely tied, you know, at that point because we're investing in each other and expecting the other one to follow through and do it and, and yeah. see it through. So, I What mean, did your parents think? Uh, Ooh, if, I mean, I think they both knew this had been our dream since we were little kids and they wanted to support that. But I, mine were definitely, like, scared about it. No, I were scared. You? you know, I mean, I think, I think my parents knew as well as we did that we definitely had something special you know just between the two of our voices and the way we we sang together so i think that gave them hope but obviously you never know i mean sure you moved you moved to town with that once again that little sparkle twinkle in your eye and yeah. oh you know the possibilities are endless and i could be playing anywhere and so and so could see me and sign me and, and make me a huge star so i'm not saying that <laughs> which is not how i'm not it saying at all, but <laughs> well i'm not saying you shouldn't have that i think you absolutely should have that when you first move to town yeah. because you need that you I need think. that possibility you need absolutely. that you need had that you to written together yet so when we got together discovered the harmonies i was going to nashville in two months to play for cma fest by myself but i thought my goodness if we're going to be a duo why don't we go there together kind of see what nashville is all about and uh, after that trip, we were very fortunate to meet a uh, booking agent at William Morris who ended up, William Morris Agency is the largest talent agency in the world. They book for yeah. every genre. and They're a big deal. They're a big deal. And so we saw that as a sign of we need to be here. And that's kind of the, de the decision together we made that we were going to move here, but we couldn't move right away. So we had a year's time before we actually made the move to Nashville. And during that time, that's when Trey and I wrote together mm. or started to explore writing and what that looked like. And uh, mm -hmm. we would make trips one time a month for a week. And uh, we would just come here and write and try to learn, learn the ropes of that community. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot. It's it a, lot a lot to take on. You really have to have that blind faith, you know? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. How were you supporting yourselves at the time? Odd jobs, grocery stores, deliveries. Yeah, like are you pre-moving or when we moved? When you were doing the back and forth thing. Oh, well, I was oh. still in school. Oh, so you were finishing that. I was finishing school. That's why yeah. we couldn't move right away. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was actually a youth director in Fort Worth at a oh, church. Okay. So, yeah, what was that like? I, it was a different life. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I love doing it. I mean, it was a fun like job. Be and fun. Yeah, and I, you know, it's something I felt called to do at the time, and it was great. You know, I just I also at that point felt like I was being called to do something else. Sure. Yeah. And they were very supportive of it. That's great. So you're in Nashville. You make the move, and you start. How did you come to meet Liz? What? So, uh, I mean, we oh. that one. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great story, Rock. actually. Rock, Rocco or Rock or whatever. His name was, the guy's name was... In, Rock may, Marcello. Maybe he's still around. I don't know. His name was Rock Marcello. And he was the most mobster-looking dude you've ever seen in your life. Yes. That's a great name for a mobster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't you think? And uh, we were playing at Belcourt Taps and Tapas one night. And it was... I remember we didn't even want to go play that night because it was raining. And was it 10 o'clock? Is it 10 o'clock? Right after my shift. And either I felt terrible or you felt... One of us was sick or something. And I remember... I don't know about that. 
something was I think going. I was just sick of work. Maybe that was it. And Jen Jen was like, man, I just really don't want to play. Can we call them and just and tell them we can't make it or something? Nobody's even going to freaking be there. It's true. It was and, an hour and a half round. And, uh, oh, my Lord. Yeah. 10 to 1130. And night. so I either I did or we both collectively decided we just let's go. And we told them we were going to do it. Let's go do it. And we got there, and as predicted, it was the bartender, um, a couple on the left side, and this one guy sitting in the far back right corner. Right? Okay. I was the only people in there. And we played the whole set, and this guy follows us out of the um, establishment after the show. And I get scared, and I just kind of push her in front of me, and like, just go to the car, go to the car. And he's like, hey, can I talk to you? And I was like, hey, yeah. He's like, oh, my name's Rock Marcello, and... Uh, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to do my best, like, monster accent. <laughs> did he have a monster accent? He did. Oh, yeah. It was a total... And he was smoking it was like, and all He black. had a cigar like in his that. mouth, and he was, like, the He was complete, in a suit. I mean, it was straight up the Godfather in Nashville, but um, he was like, yeah, I got a, you know, you got a cool song there. I think it'd be really good to pitch it to Lady Antebellum or something. Let me connect you with my friend who could possibly do that, and it was Liz. Okay. And, and so that's how we went and met with Liz and sat down with her one day, and she listened to our music, and she said, well, could I set some rights up for you? And we're like, yeah, sure. And you were one of them, and I can't remember who the other ones were, but, I mean, yeah, and then we ended up meeting you, and yeah. the, the rest, it was just very serendipitous. Maybe Rocco was uh, an angel. I think so. I've n- literally, literally never, never heard, seen, never heard anybody him mention him again, nothing. Never seen him again. Like, any time I say his name, no one knows who's, who Even that Liz? is. Even Liz? Does she know who he is? We haven't seen her in a long time. I haven't seen Liz in a while. Be interesting. I, I should ask She'd her. She'd be like, that. I don't know who that is. Who's, I don't know. I that? believe in angels, so. I think <laughs> he was. Apparently our angel mobster was a mobster-looking guy. Why not? Marcello. I'm sure my angels probably chain smoke and drink whiskey. Yeah. So. <laughs> Whatever. I, we don't know what they look like. Yeah, um, yeah it's crazy. And I always say this, like, everybody goes, well, it started from nothing. But, like, I truly feel like in every definition of the word, like, when, when we came to town, we had nothing. We had never been to Nashville. We didn't know anybody in Nashville. We'd been to Nashville. I had never been to Nashville. But for a year before we moved. Well, I'm just talking about when, when this, thing, oh, when this thing started, like, we had no connections. We, I mean, yeah. it, you it, were it, starting it, scratch. It was, truly, yeah. it was truly the story of two dreamers. I mean, we literally Cinderella's just moved to town. Story just because we wanted to sing country music. And it's amazing what talent and perseverance do when they're put together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you... To, and luck. <laughs> well, yeah, luck is certainly... Sometimes. But my uncle, yeah. may he rest in peace, always said that uh, opportunity knocks, it doesn't nag, meaning that luck is only lucky if you're prepared when opportunity shows up. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. that's so true. That's, that's very true. That's why you're lucky. It's yeah. because you were prepared... And you kept showing up. And obviously clear talent. I mean, I heard it the minute you opened your mouths and we were writing that song. I didn't know you all at all. But not only that, but I, I and I mean this, it's not just because it's going out to all the people listening, but your your spirits were so lovely. And Aww. and in this business, I've been in it a, a long time, this business is uh, can be very... Um, What's the word? It's harsh. a den of thieves and harsh, and there's a, a lot of people will smile and stab you at the same time, you know? Yeah. But um, it's just, it was it was so refreshing, and maybe it's because you were fresh to town, but 
there was just such a loveliness. Or maybe it's because you're Texans, and every Texan <laughs> I've ever met in person. We're good people. Texans. Majority. Are, I, I have to all. say, all the Texans that I personally have met have yeah. been lovely people. I don't know what it is, but. Uh, shout out. Yeah, shout out, Texas. <laughs> you also have very good Tex Mex food. Yes. <laughs> yes and the Schlitter Bomb is really that. fun. Ooh. I've done that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is a water, <laughs> <laughs> um, is a water <laughs> park in Texas. Is it San go, go Antonio? To it. Um, technically, no. New Braunfels, okay. Texas. Yeah. But it's near San Antonio. Near right? San Antonio. Yeah. 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 Spent a, spent a summer there. Um, oh, it's so much fun. When I was a wee whippersnapper. <laughs> um, so that being said, I think also it's lovely when, when good guys finish first. And you all, uh, I, you, you work so hard. Um, so here you are, you're writing, you're starting to get better rights, things like that. When did the first <laughs> thing happen? Well, I mean, Suze, that's partly in part to you. Um, we had obviously wanted a record deal and... We were actually offered a record deal prior to coming to town mm. by Curb, and mm. we were so excited. <laughs> yeah, Your we didn't know at the time. Says everything anybody needs to know about that. <laughs> uh, uh. But uh, we just thought, oh my I gosh! Have to, I'll have to edit that out. Probably <laughs> <laughs> like blacklist. Yeah, <laughs> no details needed. That's all I needed to know. Uh, but we, I had, think that's a pretty well-known secret for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> But we were so excited. We were like, oh, we hit the jackpot. Because we had been told by a mentor of ours that this is a 10-year down. So just be prepared that it could be 10 years before you ever even get your, your one shot. Well, and he also and, he also said, he was like, you know, that doesn't mean for sure it's going to take you 10 years. He was like, when I say that, I mean, like, mental state you have to be in when you move to town is, I'm going to give this a minimum of 10 years. Because if you don't, you're going to quit and go home way faster than you should. And many people do. And yeah. they do. Um, in the droves. Oh, yeah. oh, for sure. As somebody said, who told us that, like, the most, the majority of people that move to town to be an artist will move home within a year. I believe that. Like, the vast majority. And yeah. we've seen it happen several times. Yeah. yeah. It's just hard. When I first moved to town and I went to a songwritery event, and I remember that the, the lecturer said, look around you. There was probably 200 people in the room, and he, or however many. He said, look around. He said, most of these people will be gone in a year, and yeah. then the next portion will be gone within five years. If you can just hang in there and yeah. do the work, yeah. it is a it is a town of perseverance and determination. You Absolutely. Know, as, is, as is all things in life. Sure. Sure. You know, I anyway. Um, yeah, so that was our, kind of our first, like, blow and welcome to Nashville, because when we got here, Curb actually uh, said, you know, hey, we're going to just pair up a girl and guy on our roster and make them into a duo, and they didn't want to spend any more money to sign a new act. So, A decision based on money? That doesn't happen in the label world. <laughs> yeah, so anyways, we continue to play shows and write, like as you were saying. We meet you, which I call you our, one of our Nashville angels. I've had a few, but you were one. So we have an Italian mobster and Susan. <laughs> yes. And so Susan has a friend at a record label in town called Bigger Picture and um, sent him some music. And he played it for a couple of the people in the company who were interested and had Trey and I over. And at that point, we had no buzz, no, you know, connection or whatsoever. It was solely based on our talent, which I'd like to believe every person is signed just off talent. But we oh, all, if only. If only, right? Yeah. 
Um, but I, I think will... it's Instagram followers these days. <laughs> yeah, probably. For the most part, yeah. I, I, get, yeah. I hate to say that, but I think that is a big part of it. Anyway. But this was the one time, I would say, in our path that we got extremely lucky. We got signed off of our talent. and Which is very rare, surprisingly. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, you Well, know. David uh, Robkin, who uh, was at the time, was he... He was the CEO, so he he did all the the financials. He He wasn't really so that's a bigger picture, which is now now no longer. But at the time, yeah, at the time, I think he I think he heard what I heard, and he saw what I saw. Yeah, because it's obvious, right? You would have to be blind, I would think, and deaf not to to (laughs) see and hear it. So, um, although unfortunately, in in any industry of entertainment. Blind and deaf happens a lot. No offense to the blind and deaf out there. That now I'm going to get a letter, but I'm just saying, <laughs> in that that it was it's it's obvious. So they sign you. Bigger picture signs mm-hmm. you, and then what happens? Then we spend a year. It's a development deal at first. Yeah. And for those that don't know, that means that a label is willing to take a chance that they will develop you into being ready for stage and screen and, you know, all the things. So, right. mm-hmm. yeah. So they don't do those very often. Anymore. No, not really. It's very rare. It's what A&R really, artists and repertoire. That's what they used to do would be, they would sign development artists right? And foster because, them and foster them. And in the days of, you know, Arif Mardin and, you know, people like that, a legend or even Clive, you know, Clive Davis. Right. So it's not so much anymore. We no. live in such a world that wants it now and quick and to be happening. And and people are afraid of their jobs. They're afraid yeah. to put time and energy and money into something that may or may not work out. And right. Yeah. And then they get fired, you know. Yeah. So, anyway. So it, it is. That was definitely a rarity. But they basically gave us a year to prove that we were good enough and had good enough songs that were ready to go to country radio. Mm-hmm. And so we spent... Um, about eight months writing every single day, almost Monday through Friday, with a lot of hit writers. Yeah, they put of, you with some big. Yeah, people. there were a few in there that were really big. Yeah, yeah, and everybody wants to be your friend when you have a you know quote unquote record deal, and everyone wants to write with you, and you know it was a great time in our career because we were writing for a record and we felt like we had purpose for the very first time in this town and. Um, eight months into it, we finally convinced the whole label that uh, we're ready for this. And they love the songs and the music. And we went in and recorded our first record. And With our... Adam Wood as the producer? Mm-hmm. No. Oh. Actually, oh, not at that point, no. Oh, okay. Actually, it was an in-house producer. Oh, Adam came Picture. along later. Yeah. Oh, okay. This is later when, remember, got we'll it, got it. the okay. Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But right. this was our record with Bigger Picture that... Um, We'll never see the light of day because they they folded and and the the label, uh, unfortunately, an investor pulled out last minute and it caused the entire label to go under. And Trey and I were back to square one. Um, So you had a whole record that you couldn't do anything with because the record label owns it. Correct. Mm -hmm. And they put a a X amount of dollars on it. They wanted 30 grand. To buy it. To buy it. To buy the masters. Correct. And uh, Trey and I were like, you know, we're like, hey, we don't have 30 grand (laughs) (laughs) to buy a music. For those listening, so there's the writers who write the songs and the publishers who maybe it's the writers, maybe it's uh, publishers just in their own right that have uh, ownership of, of that. But then when it comes to the master, that means 
the record that you make where, for example, Smithfield sings on this record, but the label pays for that record, they own that record. Even though it's Trey, even though it's Jennifer, even though they wrote the songs, doesn't matter. The master belongs to whomever paid for it. Correct. And for a label, that then becomes, um, I, I, I mean, it's their property, really. So yeah. as you're getting out of your deal, because the label folds, it's not like they go, oh, well, we're closing up shop. Here's your record. Sorry, we tried. They're like, nope, we own this, and you can give us the amount of money that it costs, probably plus interest. Yeah, yeah. appreciation. And appreciation, yeah, to buy it from us, and then you'll own the masters. But most artists, are, especially in the beginning, are not in a position to, to be able to do that. Right? Yeah, especially us at that There's time. only a few artists that really, in history, that have gone through their whole career. Um, anyway, so now you are a an untethered <laughs> entity floating around Nashville's waters. Yeah. What next? Well, at that time, we thought, okay, well, let's go get another record deal. I mean, we we got we have this record, or so we thought. And I think we took for just I'll interject and say I think we took for granted up until that point, really and truly, how lucky we were to get that record deal, because I think when we got out of it and when we lost it, in our minds we thought, well, you know, it just took us a year to get this one. We were only living here for a year, so how hard could it, it never be happens. to get yeah. another one? You yeah, know? yeah. And I think as we progressed, yeah. we were like, wow, we were lucky. Yeah, we it's were. extraordinary. Again, I think it's because of your talent that, that somebody recognized that, and, and to David's credit, for sure. Um, so how long did it take before well, you did your next experience? So four months we were tied up into that deal. I've never felt like an object or property until that happened. So Bigger Picture basically tried to sell off all their artists as a package. Mm. And to another label. To another label. Package that, deal. That didn't happen. Um, no label is going to want to spend the amount they were asking for this package deal. <laughs> so after they saw that that wasn't going to happen, they had to do settlements on each one. So it took four months to really get back on our feet and figure out where we were going to go. And so after that, um, most of the artists found new homes and Trey and I, when we had our meetings, um, we could only play demos again because they wouldn't give us our record back. And every label that we met with basically said, well, you guys are super talented and great harmonies, but you know, there's just not enough going on here for me. So it's funny. We got a deal so quickly off talent. And then the next thing you know, Every label saying we're talented, but now we don't have enough buzz. But what do I always say, though? Not enough Instagram followers, not enough Facebook likes. Yeah, that no, kind of thing. nobody's talking about this. You know, we didn't have a social media following at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we had nothing. We were just songwriters. The two things in this town is you're either an early bet or you're a proven success, and there's no in between. That's just your theory. But yeah, it's a great but, theory. But if you look at the people that get signed, that's what it is. You're either an early bet, as in they can pay not a whole lot of money to get you and take an early bet on you and hope that you turn into something huge, or you've already proven that you're going to work and you're going to be this huge thing and they want to be part of it then. Mm -hmm. The middle ground is typically tough to get signed. Yes. Middle management. It's always hard. Middle management. It's hard to get (laughs) out of middle management. It's funny because we talk about the industry and, you know, I've talked about it on various podcast episodes, but the music industry is not that unlike many industries in that there's a lot of hard work being done by a lot of faceless people that 
that and a lot of bosses that are taking advantage of those people and taking their mm-hmm. ideas and doing all sorts of things. It's it's yeah. not uncommon yeah. um, so. in every industry. Sure. Um, perhaps because we are creatives, it hurts that much more. It does. Right. <laughs> and we don't get the kind of paycheck that the you know the person working at the, the, industri- nine, the industry job so. yeah is getting. Very so um, there's that too, but. So how are you all feeling at this point? I mean, it must, when you're in that moment, you're like, crap, we can't, this is all we came here to do. We've had this taste of success. Because I think a lot of people, um, they give up. Yeah. And that's kind of, we were faced at a crossroads. That was the first time that Trey and I go, that we wanted to quit. Because we're like, we've been writing songs for this long. We've been a duo for four years and chasing this. And, and the hit writers aren't writing with you now. Yeah. No, people aren't calling us back. Yeah. Um, not only did we lose our label deal, but we lost our publishing deal because that was tied into it. So now we lost our income. We're back to working part-time jobs. And we're just kind of sort of thinking maybe this isn't meant to be. And, uh, and the last like straw of it for me was when our management left us too. And Trey and I are just, now we have nobody, nobody at all that believes in us anymore. And we're like, but you know what? We've got great music. And I truly felt that if we could get that music to the people somehow with these other outlets, like Spotify was popping up at the time, SiriusXM, The Highway was playing newer artists. I thought, and we both thought this, like maybe if we just do something ourselves, let's see what we can do. Let's go out there and create this buzz that everybody wants from us. And we did a Kickstarter campaign because we didn't have the money to fund the record. And we told our story online to what little fan base we had. Um, Some of it was friends and family too, of course, but we told our story and, and said, this is what happened to us. And if you believe in this music that you've heard on the road a little bit, or that you've heard online, help give to this. And we had no idea if we would meet our goal, but uh, we we exceeded our goal. We raised $12,000 online. That's enough for a record. That's enough to do a record. Um, And we were able to do it with the producer that we wanted, the players that we wanted, the songs. Yeah, Adam Wood. Mm -hmm. Who's extraordinarily talented. Very talented. And a really good human being. Yeah. Yeah. Most importantly. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great guy. And we ended up making a record that was even light years better than what we did at the label. For three times as much money. Yeah, which is hilarious. (laughs) Seriously, yeah. It's Um, amazing where you can actually save money and still have a good product. But we finished this record, and we're like, okay, we don't have a record deal. How do we get it out there to people? And so we're bumming around town, still playing. Bumming around town. Well, you know what I mean? Just playing all the, the shows you got to play we're that sitting on aren't street glamorous. corner with our guitar case open. No. Just, <laughs> just busking months. Right. Um, but we had another <laughs> Nashville guy. angel appear in our life. Um, Pete Fisher, who ran the Grand Ole Opry. And he had heard of us and was told to come out by a fan who actually became our friend Mm -hmm. who mentored with him and said, oh, my gosh, you have to check out my friend Smithfield. And he showed up at Acme at a bar in downtown Nashville. And he said, I think you guys got something really special. Like, I'd love for you to come in my office and just tell me your story. Tell me what you've been through. And so we do. We, we go in there. We tell him what happened with Bigger Picture. We play uh, live for him. And then we also play the EP record 
Mm -hmm. we tell him we have this great product, but we don't know what to do with it. And he said, you know what? He goes, I don't do this very often. He goes, but I really believe in you two. And I want to come up with a business plan and see if we can get you a music loan to do what I think you could do with this record. And we're like, a music loan? We don't, we don't even have credit. <laughs> How the heck are we going to get a loan? Yeah. I've never owned a credit card in my life. Yeah. If everyone in Texas donates $1. <laughs> Seriously, then we'd be good to go. But again, faced with another challenge, do do we go for this or do we give up? You know what I mean? It's a scary place to be. So scary. And this isn't Jen and Trey's name. You know, this isn't money that's owed back to a label. This is not, not recoupable. personal loan that we're going to take out if they even approve it. So we go into the bank with Pete and a guitar and fluorescent lights and play for, you know, the You staff. played live for the bank? Yes. What? A lot of people don't know this part. I don't know this part. Yeah. It's amazing. They gave us one song to play and it was... What did you play? Hey Whiskey. Hey Whiskey. We played it for accountants and the bank president. Every, yeah. yeah. All right. And uh, she teared up and she said... I don't know if I'm making the right decision, but I love this song and I feel like I'm supposed to do this. And they gave us the loan. And uh, people don't know that part of our story because there was nobody involved at that point. It was just me and Trey and, and Pete. And God. And God working in our life. And, and our, let's say, so we have officer Susan, bank president, Pete. Yeah. Those are our four angels. There's a so couple far. more angels that come along the way, but. Um, so yeah, we, we get this loan, we come up with this business plan. And when I, a lot of what labels do is they have a marketing team and a publicity team. And, um, so we were able to use that money to do a music video, to, to hire a couple of people to help create a buzz around our music. Cause if yeah. you don't have radio, you don't have these other outlets playing it. We thought, well, maybe a couple people, big enough publications will, will rave and review it. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, our first big look was Huffington Post out of New York, named us the top 20 artists to watch. Say what? No record label, no nothing. Simply someone pitching our music to Well, we outlet. just put out our EP. We just put it out, and they recognized that. Which, for the record, when we put out the EP, we had nothing in place. So it was literally just a case of... We're going to put this out here and hope that something happens with it. Yeah, yeah but then we got the loan and, and had a We did, but what I'm saying is there were no there were no articles yet. Nobody had played it yet. Nobody had stuck their neck out for it yet. Yeah. Nothing. We, yeah. we just literally put it out having these dreams of stuff happening with it, but no guarantees. Yeah. So the first like single off of it was Good Old Days and the money from the loan. We did a music video with it. And one night we were playing a bar called Third Lindsley in Nashville and Pete had kept saying, you need to meet my friend Leslie Fram. She invests in new artists, and she works, she's the head of CMT. So all the music videos, and we're like, man, we'd love to meet her. And kept trying to meet her for so long. And one night I'm standing at the bar, and this lady's talking. And I'm watching Devin Dawson um, on stage, and I hear someone say, all right, Leslie, it's great to see you. And I thought, That's holy her. shit, is this Leslie Fram? I kind of knew what she looked like, but I wasn't sure. And I thought, oh, I don't have anybody to introduce me. Like, I don't want to come across as desperate. But in that moment, I'm like, you got to take opportunity with luck. This is your chance. Do it. So I just said, hi, my name is Jennifer Fielder. I'm a part of a duo called Smithfield. And I know Pete Fisher. And I really want to meet you. And are you Leslie Fram? And she goes, 
<laughs> like I was so caught off guard. And at that time, Trey security security yeah. Trey came up and, and intersected, and and we both got to talking to Leslie, and Trey landed the number. Um, he, he landed the meeting. That makes it sound very, very. I know. I was just kidding. <laughs> he, ended, he ended up. Leslie said, "Trey, I'd love to have you and Jennifer come over to my office to play for my staff." And CMT and Leslie were really, besides Pete, the next people to stick their neck out and give us a shot. And we played that video for the staff, and that was our first national look. I keep thinking, every time you said it, I think of if the Hobbits had a band and then they had to go play for Gandalf's staff, and it was just the staff. (laughs) They're like, where, are there any, no, it's just my staff. It's just their staff. (laughs) Anyway, wow, that's quite a story. Yeah, so that's how it all got, like, started and kicked off for us, Um, and it kind of built from there to where we're at today. And you have quite a following. It's, it's, uh, It's your, your fans really believe in you, but I think it's because... Well, besides, again, your talent, it's because you come from such a real place. Yeah. You know, and an underdog place. Who doesn't Everybody love likes an underdog, right? That's very true. Underdog. We've always been the underdog. If there's anything under the underdog, that's what we are. <laughs> <laughs> like. Well, that's what's so crazy about it is what we've been able to accomplish. And, and it's not that we don't want a label. We eventually want that and hope that we find a partner. Yeah, if it's the right fit. If it's the right fit. But it's incredible to see just uh, this organic growth in you, it's the way it used to be yeah um it's fascinating and and, and something so, to be proud of i'm curious sorry i didn't mean to cut you no, off right there i'm curious um why still the focus if just on national labels because i mean new york la even london europe has huge country following right um is that a possibility like are you open to that yeah. Once again, you know, it'd have to be the right partnership, you know, because we've kind of developed this culture of doing everything ourselves, you know, and that's mm-hmm. how we've always operated. And until, you know, we find somebody that we feel like is going to truly accentuate the goals that we have and get us to places that we feel like we can't by ourselves, you know, I mean, I feel like as long as we can keep doing things by ourselves, that's the way we've built our career, you know. Yeah, but to your to your point outside of Nashville, what what is so unique to our genre of country? You see in pop music more often, you you almost don't need a label in pop because everybody's so focused on Spotify. Radio is sort of secondary in that world. Whereas in country music, at least for now, because we're very we're behind the times <laughs> of every other genre. Sure. Um, you know, the streaming is the future and that's exciting, but for the very moment right now, country radio is still the most listened to, uh, outlet for a country. It's still a platform for music discovery and country music. It's still the biggest. And so, you know, we could go to an LA label or a New York label, but country music is so like, it's almost like it, everything is very family and inner circle kind of thing. And even in radio world, just getting off our first radio tour, seeing that be the case, it's, it really is relationships. And um, it, it would be hard, I think, to be on an L.A. label that doesn't understand the country radio world mm-hmm. because they're so used to 
well, we just send the record to, to, you know, and pop, we'll just send them the record, they'll play it. And that's just not the case in country where you do a full radio tour and you meet these people and spend time with them and you get to know them. And it's, uh, it's just very different. Mm. So coming off of that tour, cause you, y'all have been doing that for, it seems like ever. How many, how <laughs> it many, felt like ever. How many yeah. months were you on the radio tour? About six or seven. Yeah. So what are some of those ups and downs from that? What were, what were your highs and what were your lows Man, Indi- individually, Trey? Uh, I mean, there's definitely moments where you don't think you can tell the same story again and you don't think mm-hmm. you can do the same song and dance one more time without just completely losing your mind because you do it three times a day sometimes, you know, and you'll wake up at five o'clock in the morning, catch a flight, land at nine, first visit, leave there, maybe eat a granola bar on the way to the second visit, leave there maybe grab a snack and play at some bar that night and visit with that radio. and you just get to your bed that night and just think i literally can't wake up and do this tomorrow but and but it's always do. for the same song because it's radio specific same song same story same hey whiskey was the song right, right. and yeah, we would hey play a couple other song. ones but it was generally the same and you had <laughs> shows along the way as well were you peppering it yeah like we pepper in some shows here so we started off the year on the grander smith tour and so we had to work that in mm-hmm. every week. But I, I don't know. I think the most disheartening thing about it is just like any business we were talking about a while ago, um, it can be very corporately controlled. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. and, and it's a very helpless um, feeling sometimes going in, knowing that no matter how good I play today, and no matter how much they like me, and no matter how good my song is, it's not their decision. And so that that can definitely be for me personally. That was definitely disheartening sometimes. You mean the DJs? The DJs, yeah, because as we all know, there's these major radio conglomerates. You have iHeart, you have Cumulus, Town Square, Intercom, they all, all of these, own a and, and they're all stations. they're all controlled to a degree. Now there's they have some wiggle room, they have some freedom, but there's there's certain stations that straight up will just play what the corporate tells them to. Mm-hmm. Are college radio, is it like that for Those college? are independent, I think. Do you do you have a college tour that you do along the way, or is we it strictly yet. with the heavier markets? It's strictly with re- what they call reporting yeah. stations, because yeah. those are the stations that push the, push the chart. There's 158 of them. We visited about 130-something of them yeah. um, within the past six or seven months. Yeah, That is crazy. All right, but, well, what about a highlight? What, what did you like the best? About I mean, that? like anything, I mean, there's some good people in radio. You know, there's like all these people, all radio people, but I feel like, just like anybody, there's good and bad. And then we met some great people on the road and some people that we really enjoy spending time with and playing music for and people that actually did stick their necks out and... and stay true to playing trying to play the best music and so i respect that and also the travel i love traveling you get to see a lot i li- like yeah. to see places and experience different places the cultures and the foods and stuff so yeah. that and was your fun. fans are very very supportive they've, yeah i mean they've i i think like to your point you know everything we do is just there's no i hate to say gimmicks that's a bad word to use but you know it just is what it is like we we work hard we're good people we love coffee <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know we just we don't pretend to be anything else it is what it is and you either get it or you don't but it's a freedom in that though there is yeah i mean you know we always said we want to do it the right way and define that how you will but you know i've always felt like in our definition of it we've done it the right way yeah. and, and i'm proud of that yeah jennifer what about you what is the high low uh we'll end on a good note so we'll go with the lows first <laughs> <laughs> for me uh 
as a creative person, you know, spending all this time in Nashville learning from some of the best and how truly talented and creative this town is to get out there and go across the country and play for, you know, some are non-creative, you know, they're numbers people or, or they're in radio because it was a job they stumbled into or, and, and some of them are passionate about music, but some, I would ask, well, why do you do this? And they're like, oh, it's just, you know, it's just a job. And you're sitting here going, gosh, I've, you know, these are my babies I'm playing for you. Um, so I think some of that, um, is a little soul sucking for your creative Mm -hmm. mind because you're so exhausted from the travel, um, having to be on all the time, tell, like Trey was saying, telling the same story, going through the same song and dance every day that can be soul sucking and you can kind of lose yourself out there. I mean, it's, it is tough. It's really tough. There's no way around that, um, Everybody says that, but until you experience it, I don't think you really, really fully understand. Yeah. I think a lot of uh, artists turn to drugs and alcohol to placate that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely see why. I mean, it's... We turned to coffee and food. (laughs) (laughs) That was, I was going to say, that was a high for me, was getting to these, some of these cities, you know, Chicago, New York, Uh, L.A. Um, Getting to experience the local scene as far as, like, getting... uh, a cup of coffee is a joy to me. So to experience that in each city was really cool. the little things, yeah. Little things. um, And, of course, we're huge foodies, so getting to try different places I wouldn't get anywhere else was fun. But Mm. um, I think the biggest high would would have been the day there. The biggest radio market out of all 150 stations is Houston, Trace Home Station. Mm. They just so happen to not be as controlled as some of the other stations. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and they played our song and they added it and they really played it during mm-hmm. the day. And it was just so, such a cool feeling. It kind of, you know, for a moment, right? Yeah. High, yeah. Um, for a moment made us feel like which we really were doing something. Just to interject really quick, just cause I feel like a lot of people probably ask this question all the time and they go, well, why can't they play your music? Well, why can't they just play it? Yeah. And cause they're beholden to uh, people that pay a lot of money for They're entering the corporate. I, I think true. a lot of people, I'm just going to talk about it because no one ever talks about this, and I think it should be talked about more. But, I mean, labels play favors. Like, if, Oh, for sure. If a label has Luke Bryan and Blake Shelton or something, then they have a new artist that they bring in, and they say, hey, I'll give you the X amount of Blake Shelton tickets if you play my new artist song. And as an independent artist, when you're going into these radio stations, you don't have those favors. So you're right. you're literally banking on that they're just going to love you enough and your song enough to play your song. Yeah. And there are some that do, but there is a vast majority that don't. Yeah, it's hard because you can't send their listeners off to Hawaii or exactly. provide them with... Yeah. I think that's never talked about. That's kind of like the, the gray area that no mm-hmm. one ever talks about, but that's that's what happens. And yeah. Yeah. being an independent artist, we experience that more than, more than most people. Yeah, that's sure. the hardest part for me. Because like you said, no matter how good your song is, no matter how good you are in some cases, like some stations were like, we absolutely love you guys and love this song, but we can't play it till it's in the top 30 or summer top 20. Mm-hmm. So it's like if your song never makes it that high on the chart, then those believers can't add you or play you. It's that double-edged sword. Yeah. How do you get to the place if you like, can't get to the place? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You're now and experiencing yeah. and seeing our frustration. I understand. Yeah. But, yeah. I don't know. I just like to talk about that every once in a while. No, I think it's no important. Ever, I, I think... Ever acknowledges that. I think it's good to look behind the curtain. You know, Oz is just a man. 
and yep. you yeah. know and if and it's easy to get caught up in uh what as a, as fans when you turn on the tv and you see these um lifestyles that are so over the top and and all of that i mean it it's not the reality the reality is yeah. there's so many more that's a tiny tiny percentage and and they got there by you know because the labels had the money to help right. get them there yeah. um when you're an independent unless you come from a wealthy background which is true and in fact some of the big famous people that we all know and love also came from a wealthy background and yeah. could buy their way in yeah. and no offense There's, to those people no offense to those people right. if it is you've what it got is. the money like and that's what you yeah. want to do I why would wouldn't you thing. invest in your children or whatever to get them wherever they want to be Absolutely. of course you would if you could why wouldn't you yeah. so um no disrespect to that. I'm just saying I think that there is a, that fans don't necessarily understand how hard you really have to work in order to get to even a, a minutia moment of what they're seeing in the big guns. Yeah. You yeah. know, y'all work really, 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 really hard. There's a new single that you're pushing right now, right? Have you gotten to that uh, yet? A new song. A new song. <laughs> yeah, because oh. we are still on Hey Whiskey, still fighting for it. At so that's hey Whiskey still the is, single. is still a single. Yes. Okay, sorry. Um, that's Okay, so that's the single, but you have released a new song onto Sirius? Yeah. Am I getting that right? Yeah, okay. so one of the beauties of Spotify, Sirius, different platforms like that is you can really kind of test the market now yourself, mm -hmm. you know, and so... Obviously, being at radio with Hey Whiskey right now, you got to have a follow-up single because they want to know that you have something that's going to come after that. And so it's cool to be able to put out some new music to our fans that have been asking for it. And we want to defeat it to them to be able to test which ones are working, which ones aren't, so that when we get the chance to go to radio again, we know which song we want to do. And that song is? Our World. Our, Our World. world. Um, I'll play it here on, on this in a second. What, what was the story behind that song? Uh, well, we actually, this was our first outside cut, because usually we write everything. Yeah, an outside cut for those listening that don't oh. know that they did not write it. So, mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever used the words inside cut, but outside cut, I know, it, I know <laughs> what that means. Inside, yeah, as opposed to a cut you wrote yourself. So, anyway, go on. I forget, our lingo is like I know. another language. Yeah, yeah well, I think it's funny, I always talk about people forget, or people that don't live in Nashville sometimes don't realize that a songwriter community, there's thousands of songwriters in Nashville that go into a writer's room every day yes. and write a song. So there's literally millions and millions of songs that just sit in catalogs in Nashville that you'll never hear. And we're all hoping that artists, of course, will will take those songs and put them on the records, and that exactly. is called a cut. So when uh, And uh, many artists that the listeners, at least of Hey Human here uh, on the radio every day, were not written by the performing artists yes yeah that in fact it's almost unheard of in pop um so and and in r&b and hip-hop also pretty much unheard of mm -hmm. um so in country sometimes you have the artists that are also songwriters in fact you two are two of those artist writers but on this song in particular that was the long way round. yes yeah. <laughs> outside cut all right so who wrote our world so um Jaden michaels which mm -hmm. honestly what's so freeing is when we were first sent we didn't know who wrote it we just we liked didn't know song. who wrote it until we were in the studio i love that i think that's it. how all songs should it's, be it's it makes it crazy because unfortunately 
it's more important who wrote the song than the song quality or the song itself. Which is frustrating. Which is so frustrating. Yeah. Another part of the broken system, yeah. Another part of the broken system. So you heard the song. I heard the song. We were like, man, that is so, like, we just felt a connection to it because it it felt like something we would write. Mm. And growing up in, in small town Texas, it's like, we look back to those days and we're like that we just thought of our world and what that was like mm-hmm. and, and and i don't know that just it just connected with me it connected with trey and yeah whenever i'm listening to a song i'm focused more on the feeling more than i am like picking it apart piece by piece like at the end of the song i just want to know how did that make me feel yeah and if yeah. i feel something special i feel good then I know it's something that I'm gravitating towards that we should do, but yeah, because that's why songs are created. They, yeah, it's we, a feeling. We actually we're writing songs to help people feel the thing or say the thing or understand their own hearts or the heart of another. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's what we're doing. Connection, absolutely. We're, it's right, communion and connection. Yeah, the storyteller. Absolutely, that's everything. So was he the singular writer on it? No. Uh, um, so Jade Michaels, Jordan Minton, and Ben Johnson were the three writers on it. Okay. Um, and yeah, to our credit, we were singing vocals on it, and we were just like, so who wrote this thing? <laughs> and our producer's like, oh yeah, my buddy so-and-so-and-so-and-so wrote it. And we're like, oh, cool. You know, but we but, found out a cool fact later. Uh, Jaden's actually a girl, and her sister is the huge pop artist, Julia Michaels. Oh, um, who had a huge song called Issues that we were, like, huge fans of. But we didn't know that she had a sister that was in country that wrote music. I mean, we had no idea. It's a small world. Small world. Yeah. yeah. Um, our world. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's play it and uh, let everybody hear it. Yep. Okay, here we go. Our world was a small town Friday night Dancing with the stars and the fireflies Red plastic cups and twist off wine Our world was a swing on your daddy's porch Late night phone calls, I miss you more We knew it all back when we didn't have a clue Those were the nights that had no tomorrow Yeah, they went on and on and on Just like the time
like the tires on that 95 Bronco Nobody to slow us down, baby We were falling too fast, they were calling us crazy Lord knows those were the good days And I was the guy, yeah, I was the girl And everyone else hey, yeah. was just living in our world Yeah, when they were living in our world We were fast, they were calling us crazy Lord knows those were the good days Okay, that was awesome. <laughs> Love hearing it. <laughs> Is it weird when you hear it, you guys when you hear a song that you? I, I love on your Instagram um, that you're like, oh my gosh, they're playing our song. It's and weird. It, you almost don't feel like it's it's real. Yeah, I think I, I personally have experienced it because back when I was an artist a million years ago, <laughs> I got to experience that, and yeah. so it's like, oh my god, this is so weird. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it must uh, you know flash forward. It's I, I, I've had to get over like the awkwardness of listening to myself sing, but are we are to be honest with you, do you a lot of self criticism? Do you go through that? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, anytime you create something and you're putting it out there, you're always going to be your own worst critic because then you're wondering what other people are thinking about it, or sure. oh, does it sound this way to somebody? You're like, I don't know. I don't think you ever get rid of that, but that's not a bad thing. I feel like you need to be your own worst critic. So yeah. you as long as it doesn't. And, uh, Cut your, you don't cut yourself off at the knees. Yes, yeah. very true. For sure. So but, what are you hoping is coming down the pike other than, you know, worldwide? <laughs> worldwide takeover? World, um, I mean, you know, we're going to keep touring this year. I mean, we... The Opry's been great to you guys. <laughs> they you play the at the Opry a lot, which I think, again, speaks so much to what and who you are because... They're not a shim sham outfit. No. <laughs> no, no. Uh, they've they've had us back as guests. I mean, I mean pretty regularly. Um, and you know, I, we're obviously thankful for it. It's a huge deal. But um, I don't know. I guess we're gonna keep touring this year. Um, we would like to land a big tour at the top of next year with somebody. Um, I mean, we have a few uh, rights in the pipeline and kind of writing for a new record, a new project that we'll hopefully release sometime next year. Um, and in the meantime, we have some cool singles in the pipeline that we're going to release on different platforms and, and do it for the fans. Because, you know, I think that's what I love about the new music we're releasing right now is the EP we have out has been out for three years. Yeah. And the people that have been fans for three years love that music. But at the same time, they're, they're like, ready. hey, um, do we get any new music? So yeah. we're just like, hey, you know what? We have some music we love and they've been asking for it. And here's some new music. Like, have it. Yeah. Super freedom, you know? Yeah, that's yeah. good. That's good. Uh, how can people find you for those that don't know? Um, at Smithfield Music, and you have to put the music or you'll get the ham company. So I was I, just going to say Frothy Monkey. I'm very <laughs> emphatic. Yeah, right. <laughs> always emphasize that. Smithfield Music, that's where you can follow us on all our socials. And then um, all of our tour schedules on our website, so smithfieldmusic.com. And it's, we're pretty easy to find. Yeah. I'm so excited for you guys. I really believe in you both. Um, I, you always have. Yeah, I, I always have. One, one I, of the first ones. And I always will. And uh, I just, you know, people say lots of things in the world, but it's it's truly, I want nothing more than to see you guys. You know, I want to be able to turn on the Today Show or Good Morning America, <laughs> whatever it is, and see your smiling faces looking back. Because I, I believe in the good guys. I want the good guys to win. It's harder. It is harder, but um, but just know that uh, it's going to be that much sweeter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what we keep telling ourselves. Is like, are we where we want to be? No. 
Do we want a partner to help us do some of the things we're not able to achieve on our own on a bigger platform? Of course. Mm -hmm. Of course we want that. You're going to get it because you work hard and you have that funny little thing called talent. And uh, and (laughs) And we just keep showing up. (laughs) And you keep showing up. If nothing else, we're just going to bug them until they give it to us. Yeah. Thank you guys for being here. Of course. Thank you for having I really appreciate it. I know you're... Schedule is super crazy. So. Well, we just had to take a few minutes out of it just to be here for you. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I love you guys. Love you. Smithfield music, everyone on all the places. <laughs>